Hey, welcome back to the Ramblin' Riders podcast. I'm Brian Castle, and I'm here with Suzette Feller, Annie Estrakis, and the newest member of our team, Taylor Ferrasi. How are you all doing today? I'm doing well, Brian. I am a little bit sleepy and a little bit cold because it's 30 degrees outside, and that's about as cold as it gets in the winter here. Um, in North Carolina, but you know, I'm happy to be inside and cozy and talking with some of my favorite people. So overall, I'd say I'm doing pretty well. How about you, Annie, who heads up our international office in Prague or Praha, as we say locally? Oh, I'm doing well. The harsh, harsh winters of Prague have been a little bit tough, but um, I've been doing okay because I haven't had to go outside much, but I've been doing pretty good since I moved here. I'm sure the beer blanket helps too. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) Taylor, I think before you tell the world how you're doing, I should tell people who the hell you are. Um, Taylor joined us a few months ago. She's a soon-to-be graduating senior at the University of Arkansas, Sam Walton School of Business. Um. And she's brought some interesting elements to our team with her, let's call it, unique blend of creative and project management skills. Very happy to have you on board, Taylor. Before we get into talking about all our different topics today, can you tell our listeners how you came to work with us at the company and uh, how we've been keeping you busy? Well, how I got kind of started in this is, you know, I am in my final years of college and I really wanted to kind of get my foot in the door and get some real world experience. And so I was, you know, asking around to all my friends and family to see if they knew of any opportunities for me. And my dad was actually able to make an introduction with me to Brian. And we, you know, introduced ourselves through email. And then about a week later, I had an interview and thankfully I seemed to be a good fit. And so that's kind of how we got started. Well, you know, we could tell that you had some very applicable skills and that we would at least learn a little bit from you. It turns out we've learned quite a bit. Um, You just dove right in on the copywriting and social media and some of the project management stuff. Uh, I've actually also been not shocked, but pleasantly surprised at some of the different elements uh, that you've been bringing, some of the more technical and practical elements of marketing that shore us up a little bit. Uh, we're, We're a shop that leans more to the creative than the technical, um, so I really welcome somebody with perspective on, you know, different uh, metrics and key performance indicators. And then even stuff like what we're about to talk about. Uh, you've, you've written a, a few really nice pieces for our Insights blog. And the one I want to talk about with you today is about uh, better PowerPoints uh, for our small and mid-sized business audience. You know, what inspired you to write about that subject? Um, because we've been having a little more demand in that area lately to help entrepreneurs with their presentations. I'm curious. 
Right. Well, the inspiration really came from just from being in college and the amount of PowerPoints you actually have to sit through, whether that's from a professor or just some of my classmates. And, you know, there really is such a difference between the PowerPoints that are nicely put together and you can just tell someone went to the extra effort to do it. And the ones that are just, you know, real plain Jane just has just a mess of words on it. And so, you know, um, Another thing is I would be talking with my classmates about some of the tools that I use personally for PowerPoints, and some of them were just completely oblivious to them. They had no idea about them, so I kind of wanted to be able to share what I've learned through my uh, education and just some tips and tricks that are actually really easy to help you in your presentations and just making a a really nicely put-together slide. Having gone to lots of professional conferences and trade shows and, and things like that. I have seen my fair share of terrible PowerPoint presentations, uh, even from really, really educated veteran professionals. Just no one's, they've never run into a tailor for AC to guide them. So let, let's get into uh, some of your, your tips for improvement. I, I know you gave several in your article, but if you had to distill for our listeners three areas where they could really focus um, improving their PowerPoint presentations, what, what would those areas be? Well, the first main point I would like to emphasize is that less is more. You want to try to not use a lot of sentences in your PowerPoints. You know, you just want a very simplified visual that's going to capture and reinforce your main ideas and not just have your complete thoughts on the page. And it helps to just leave a lot of white space in doing so, you know, that again is going to help your audience focus in on your main points that you are trying to get across. And then another kind of rule of thumb to follow is the six by six rule, which is having, if you are going to do bullet points, you want to do six per slide, six words per point. Really, if you can, you just want to have six words per slide. So that's that's even enlightening for me. I, I use PowerPoint quite a bit for not only presentations, but for proposals. And I, and I think a lot of professionals like to have a tool that they can use both ways. And I think your advice is critical, especially for using it in the traditional presentation format, what I like to do when I'm giving somebody a presentation on our capabilities and I want to flip it into a proposal, I'll often save all that stuff that I'm speaking to, you know, in the speaker notes section. And then I'll just go back and paste it in when they're using it more like a traditional proposal document. What else have you got, Taylor? Uh, The other point I've made was that, uh, you know, take advantage of the templates that are already out there. You know, there's thousands of templates and sites that are already online that'll help you kind of either get a baseline for what you want your PowerPoint to look like or to just completely use their template on their own. You know, I mean, there's categories for everything nowadays, too. You know, they have the traditional business ones and then they have like creative ones that you can go into and they're so easy to just download and downloads right to PowerPoint and then you can edit it from there. What I like especially about that idea is uh, one of our 
friends and business partners, one of our longtime partners, uh, Ty Hagler at Trig Innovation, who's a real leader in design thinking. And that's what we're talking about here is designing PowerPoints to really perform uh, for your audience. He was sharing with me one time, I, I was just failing miserably with a, with a creative assignment he gave me. And I went back and told him, I said, I can't come up with anything, man. And he said, well, that's because I failed you. He said, it's much easier to get down to business and create, um, whether you're writing or designing something, um, when you're aware of the creative constraints. And that's what your template recommendation does. It takes, it puts some guardrails, right? Like if the template only allows you to insert text boxes of a certain size, it's going to protect you from yourself if you tend to be overly wordy. Well, let's step back, Taylor, and talk about the why. So why is it so important for our small and mid-sized business executives and entrepreneurs, why is it so important for them to focus on quality, you know, with, with regard to their PowerPoint presentations? Well, yeah, that's a great question. But I mean, when you really think about it, the whole idea behind your PowerPoint is you're presenting someone something to someone, you know, you're informing someone or you're persuading something of something and you really just need it to be impactful. So you want it to be meaningful and memorable. And by using some of these tips, it really helps to do exactly that. It, it helps you focus in on the main points. It'll help your readers retain what you're actually trying to get across. And, you know, it just makes it a better experience for everyone that's sitting there and listening to you. Happy holidays from Park Life, and thanks for listening to our show. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do for small and mid-sized businesses, including blogs, social media, and podcasts just like this one, please visit our website at parklifecom.com. That's P-A-R-K-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-M.com. All right, Suzette, I don't know how you're going to top Taylor segment, but let's give it a try. You've brought so much to what we do here. Um, one of the things where you've really gotten to flex your storytelling skills um, is in the area of video marketing. And you wrote a uh, recent article about helping small and mid-sized businesses uh, improve their video marketing. So, how important is video in today's marketing landscape? Video marketing is becoming more and more popular every year. Um, in 2020, it's been one of the most popular elements to include in digital marketing strategies. And you see companies of all sizes flocking to platforms like TikTok and YouTube. Um, and it's not surprising because research suggests that humans find video to be the most engaging and memorable type of content. So it's probably the most effective type of content that you could possibly include in your marketing strategy. I think uh, you, you make a good point. You know, COVID has changed so many things, including, you know, just how people engage with uh, their customers, their clients, any fans of their company. 
people who help them get business. Um, and, and people aren't seeing each other face to face anymore. So it, it, it has, it's got that momentum from that as if it needed any more momentum, right? So, you, you know, you're helping people improve. So the connotation is they're screwing up. So what do you find are the most common mistakes people make when they're looking to do video marketing? So probably the number one thing I see the most is uh, companies making their video marketing content feel too scripted or too rehearsed. And the problem with this is that it tends to lead to a very stilted kind of delivery, which comes off as being quite inauthentic. Um, And the other thing is just in general, I think a lot of businesses focus too much on the purpose of the content, meaning, you know, to promote your brand or your message while failing to consider its entertainment value. So not thinking about how interesting this is going to be to an audience. Um, And then the last thing is what I like to call trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, which is forcing people to appear on camera who aren't comfortable being on camera or particularly skilled at it um, because it is a really tough skill to hone. But I think a lot of companies will um, go with somebody just for their title. Like they'll want the CEO on camera or, you know, the president, the vice president on camera um, just because of their title at the company. But these people might not be suited to a medium like video, which is a tough medium to master. Um, and these businesses would actually be better off maybe choosing people that aren't as high up at the company, but are just naturally better at appearing on camera. Cause it definitely takes a specific type of person to be good at that. Um, and I think it's really important to identify those people and, um, not worry so much about, uh, forcing somebody to appear on video. Who's just not naturally inclined to do that. Well, you made a couple of cool points there. So the, the first one is, is thinking back to the uh, how a lot of companies and people involved in this will err to over-scripting. Um, I also think that you can also play too fast and loose, right? Um, it comes down to striking the right balance of I'm here. I know what I'm supposed to be talking about, uh, but I don't have every word formed before I get on camera. Is that how you feel about it? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's all about the balance because nobody wants to come off as unprepared, um, but nobody wants to come off as inauthentic and overly scripted either. Um, And so you really have to find that happy medium. So the other piece I found interesting was it's not your, your people don't acquire the titles in their companies based on how well they do video. So we've seen this where we're doing shoots with C-suite people. We found that it's probably the rule. There are always exceptions, but the rule is folks at that level tend to get inside their own heads a little more. Um, we've seen that with some incredibly talented executives that 
need a little time to warm up or need a few more takes um, than other folks. And we've also seen, obviously, that dynamic where you might have a lower ranking person who just really has the company's message down. They're closer to the work. And oftentimes they can give you more of that necessary passion or special spark on video. Absolutely. I think that any marketing professional who works really closely with members at um, a client organization will learn early on that different people are suited to different mediums. So there might be some people who um, translate their ideas very well into articles. There might be some people who are just stellar at being on camera, and there might be others who thrive in podcasting. It just totally depends on the person. And it's all about finding that right fit and then um, kind of um, exploring that and enjoying that rather than, again, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and um, getting somebody who's really better suited for the written word to try and appear on camera. It's just not going to fit. So your article gives, gives a lot of good advice, some, some great tips. Um, people don't typically bite off everything you tell them uh, at once. So if they were going to focus on a couple of things, what are, what are the two uh, higher priority tips you would get people to do? to immediately improve their video marketing? So of, of the tips that I outlined in my article, I would say number one and number two are most important. I tried to just start with the uh, most important stuff right off the bat. Um, number one is keep it short and sweet. So the reason that's so important is because people are bombarded with so much content to choose from every single day. Um, I'm sure that, you know, everybody listening will have experienced this every day. It's just like content overload from our phones to our computers to television. Um, we only have a limited amount of attention to give to all of these different platforms where there's nearly endless content to scroll through. So it's kind of about being mindful of your audience's time and um, having the mindfulness and respect for their time to give them something that's easy and interesting to consume, something that they can um, just easily fit within their day and something that'll be a rewarding experience for them. You know, give, give them something to take along with them as opposed to just being sort of a, a straight advertisement without any kind of interest to it. Yeah. Just like everything else in life, it goes back to empathy and authenticity. Um, you're a great person to be a human with, Suzette. Oh, that's very sweet. And you as well, BC. <laughs> um, Annie Estrakis, welcome back. How is Prague, my friend? Oh, it's really good. I have just missed my husband and dog so much. So all I've been doing for the past, like, two weeks is just like hugging them pretty much. It's pretty dorky. Annie, I'm so proud that you came back for the second time around on our podcast. I really was quite taken with something you wrote recently. It's come up with uh, clients off and on through the years. And I think you 
wrote something with real authority and credibility regarding uh, social media giveaways. It's not uh, as easy and tidy as people might think. Um, so going back to what you recently wrote about, um, you know, social media giveaways, if anything, are becoming more popular and not just with big brands, but small businesses are jumping into the fray. What is it about giveaways that people find so much fun and appealing as users of social media? Well, I'm very happy that you liked the article. I had fun writing it. Um, I think one of the things that um, social media uh, users really love about social media giveaways is gifts are kind of like a universal love. Everybody loves winning something. It's just like instant gratification if you win like a TV or something. Um, and I think that um, social media users are always looking for um, like kind of like an easy way to like get engaged online. And if there's a prize at the end of something, then I mean, that's even better. They're always fun. But I, I, I think and I know you agree with this. You know, everything we do in the marketing world is pretty much fun. It's all creative. But I like to always say, you know, I'm not being commissioned to write the great American novel. It's it's ultimately my writing is to help market and sell things. So how can people get into the fun without failing in the mission of promoting their business? So there are different ways to do social media giveaways. I think it's really important to um, customize it a lot towards your um, business. So what could work for maybe like a fast food restaurant isn't going to work for a retailer. So I think it's important to try to focus on what your main goal of the um, giveaway is. So if you want people to more heavily engage with your social media posts and have more shares and likes, um, I think you need to um, focus your efforts more on um, maybe something like a repost giveaway, which is one of the things that I discussed in my article where you can um, enter a contest by um, liking someone's post or sharing it on your wall. Um, and I think if you have different goals um, other than just getting more likes and shares on your posts, um, I think it's really important to kind of look at um, what types of giveaways you can do and customize them to your business goals. Now let's talk about the not fun side, uh, which often comes from the uh, legal and ethical considerations. I, there, this is why I mentioned it's not always, you know, easy and tidy to just jump in and do something uh, as soon as you have an idea. What are the common legal and ethical pitfalls that you advise people to avoid you know, when they create these social media giveaways? Um, I think two of the things that people often mess up when they're doing social media giveaways is um, they require a purchase for entering your giveaway or um, they pick the winner in an unfair way, even if it's just unintentional. So um, when you do a social media giveaway, you're not actually allowed to um, require a purchase for you to enter the giveaway has to be um, something where you just enter your contact information or reshare a post or something like that. If um, you actually make people purchase something for entering a giveaway, it can be classified as gambling in some cases, which isn't legal in 
pretty much all states. Um, and in other cases, even if it's not straight out gambling, it can be um, classified as something really dangerously close to it, which can get you in legal trouble, which is never a good thing to do, especially if you're trying to have fun just doing like a social media giveaway. Um, I think the second thing is sometimes when people pick the winners, um, they even if they're not trying to be unfair by picking the winner in like a certain way, um, if you pick it with any type of bias, then um, you can get in trouble if anybody finds out about it or um, kind of questions it. So it's always important to use a third party for um, picking the actual winner of the giveaway. So even if you just wanted to use like if you had um, a business connection and you wanted them to randomly choose a winner, that would be a lot better than going in and having one of your employees randomly choose a winner just in case. I find both of those points so interesting. I can remember seeing on TV when I was a kid, you know, the publishers clearing house sweepstakes and other giveaways have been around way before social media, but the whole no purchase necessary thing definitely moves over. Once again, proving it's not always don't focus on the media, focus on what's legal. <laughs> but I'm curious about what you've learned on the other front. That's something I've never really considered the whole, you know, making sure you're uber fair about how you award any prizes. Um, does that kind of make you run into fraud? Uh, is, is that... Is that the consideration there? Yes. Um, so I think it was back in like the 80s or 70s. Um, there, McDonald's did this whole um, like puzzle piece kind of giveaway where um, they ended up picking the winners and a bunch of the prizes suspiciously went to um, some like close family members and friends of the people that were running the giveaway. So that's kind of where a lot of rules came about where, um, so you technically can pick the winners for a giveaway internally, like in your own company, but um, it's really better to get like a third party um, to pick the winners just in case there's any question um, if there's any fraud in the way that you picked your winners. Well, this article just made me want to go out and do a bunch of giveaways. <laughs> We give stuff away, get our clients to give stuff away. Like it, it sounds like uh, it, you brought some clarity for what is a uh, bit of a murky space. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy that I could um, talk about it because it's a fun topic. Well, this has been a fun episode. I am reminded every day by each of you how smart you are and why I want you here. But it is interesting when we get away from all, all the inside jokes and the heart emojis, <laughs> when we get to talk about stuff, it, it, it is fun for me to hear uh, what your thought process is. Um, that's something we need to do more of outside of our podcast. <laughs> I think it helps us grow. Um, but sometimes there's so much work to do we just have to do it instead of talking about it. Um, I hope all three of you uh, have a great holiday season. I'm looking forward to 
all the work we're going to do together. So let's sign off here. We'll see our vanguard of listeners in 2021 with some fresh new vibes. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody. Big thanks to everyone who listened to our podcast in 2020. We're wishing you a happy, safe holiday season this year, and we're excited to return in 2021 with more insights to share.